Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her, and Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She hath wrought a good work on me. You have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She hath done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout all the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Open your Bible to Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Our study will take us through verse 9. Now in these verses we see Jesus dining in the house of a man named Simon, and while there an unnamed woman came to Jesus. Now even if you are unknown, God knows your heart and your devotion and sacrifice to the Savior himself. God is not unjust so as to forget. She anointed our Lord with very expensive perfume. There was a reaction to this. Some of those present grumbled. Well, it could have been sold and given to the poor. What they neglected to observe was the devotion of heart and priority of worship to the Savior himself. Let me ask, isn't Jesus to have first place in everything? Well, our Lord defends her and her expensive sacrificial devotion. Here is Dr. Mitchell, Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. I don't know what you think about this gospel through Mark, but I'm having a real time with it. And when I, when I think of the, uh, the revelation of the heart and tenderness of God manifested in his Son toward men and women, one has to just bow down and worship and praise to him. Who is there like unto him? One can say with the psalmist, Whom do we have in heaven but thee? Who is there on earth beside thee? How wonderful, how wonderful to know we have a Savior who just came down here because he loved you and he loved me. He loved people. The great yearning of the heart of God is to have a people with whom he can have fellowship through eternity. And some of you dear folk who are listening in, some of you are shut in 
Some of you are well up in years, and some of you are in affliction and sorrow. Remember that one of these days, the Lord's going to change the whole picture. As we had in chapter 13, he's going to come. And friend, what a day that will be when he changed these bodies and fashioned them like unto his own glorious bodies. Romans 8.29 says he's determined that we shall be conformed to the image of his Son. Or as Philippians 3.20 20 and 21, he's going to take these frail, frail bodies with all their frailty and weaknesses and failures and he's going to transform them and make them just like his body of glory. My, what a prospect, what a prospect. What a hope. And he may come today. May you and I live today in anticipation of seeing him whom having not seen, we love. Now we're in the 14th chapter of Mark. And if I may be allowed to repeat one or two things that I said in our last lesson. And in Mark chapter 14, we have, 14 and 15, we have the betrayal and death of our Savior. And we've got those who are his enemies. We have those who are his friends. And you can watch these pers different personalities and the different movements of men and of the Spirit of God uh, through these two chapters. It's an amazing thing as you go through. The, the growing animosity and enmity and hatred of the leaders of Israel for Jesus. On the other hand, we see the devotion and the worship and the love of his followers. Now we're, we're reading from verses 3 to 9. We said in the first two verses that the leaders of Israel, they gathered together and had a committee meeting and they determined to put Jesus to death. They determined that, but not on the feast day. No, sir, we'll get into trouble if we do that. And I pointed out, even though they had a meeting and they determined not to kill him until after the feast when everybody was gone, when these tens of thousands of uh, pilgrims were gone out of Jerusalem, Jesus said, in two days is the feast of Passover and the Son of Man will be crucified. I'm quoting from Matthew 26, first two or three verses. See, the Lord set the time of his death and he declared the manner of his death. The Jews didn't. The Jews didn't. Just the opposite. The Jews might try to throw him over a cliff the Jews might try to stone him, but they couldn't crucify him. That's a Roman's job. That's a Roman's punishment. And they said, we can't do it on the feast day unless we get into trouble with the crowds. Jesus said, that's when I'm going to be crucified, when the crowds are here. He wasn't crucified. He wasn't killed in obscurity. Tens upon tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands were there in the city. Now, starting at verse 3, the first feast, we have three feasts in this passage. And being in Bethany, not just round the, round the other side of the Mount of Olives, being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? 
She hath wrought a good work on me. You have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She hath done what she could. She is be, be, she has come beforehand to anoint my body for the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout all the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now again may I point out, this, this story is mentioned also in John chapter 12. Now it's true, our Lord was a, uh, had a woman who washed his feet with her tears, but that's in Luke chapter 7, I believe, at the beginning of his ministry. This is at the end, just before he goes to the cross. In two days, he's going to be crucified. The Lord set the time. And now we have this feast. I think possibly uh, you have Lazarus there and Mary and Martha and the disciples. And if I might just, just uh, first of all, say, in, in watching the story, you see Mary's sacrifice, an act of devotion. Uh, there was nothing too costly for her to lay at his feet. You see in Judas, a man filled with covetousness. He kept the bag. He was a thief. He was a betrayer. His heart was not right with the Savior. Then you have our Savior, full of love, accepting the sacrifice of Mary and commending her and defending her action. And then you have the disciples. They criticized Mary's act of worship and devotion. They said it was a waste. It should have been given to the poor. Now, that's in a gist what we have. You see, what our Lord said was, in, was said in the light of the cross. Mary's sacrifice was an act of devotion. And let me just look at this for a moment. Verse 3, There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box and poured it on his head. And our Lord said this very act in verse 8, she she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And wherever the gospel is going to be preached, this what she has done will be spoken as a memorial of her. Well, you see, first of all, here you have this woman, Mary. May I just take a moment here? She's at his feet for worship, in devotion, sacrifice. You remember there are three pictures of Mary of Bethany. Can I just take a minute on this? In Luke chapter 10, at the end of the chapter, 38 to 42, the end of the chapter, you remember? Our Lord went to Bethany and Martha served. She was bustling around waiting on the Lord and Mary sat at his feet. And you remember of how Martha told the Lord to tell Mary to get up and help her. You see, if the implication is, Lord, if, for me to tell Mary to come and help me, it would be of no avail, but, but she'll do anything you say. Uh, and the Lord Jesus, you remember, said, Martha, you're, you're careful and troubled about many things, and one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, 
which will not be taken away from her. Here you have her sitting at his feet for instruction. Sitting at his feet for instruction. Did you ever stop to think that Mary of Bethany, you do not see her with the other women at the cross? Her name is not mentioned with the women in resurrection? Is it possible that Mary knew more about the purpose of the Savior than Peter, James, and John? It's possible. I don't think these disciples really understood it, really never got a hold of them. You remember three times the Lord announced to them that he's going to suffer and die and be raised again. And they couldn't understand it. They were confused. They were full of fear. Not Mary. Mary sat at his feet for instruction. In chapter 11 of John, Mary sat at his feet for comfort. Her brother had died. She was at his feet for comfort. That was when Jesus wept with Mary and Martha. And then in this picture, our Lord, we have Mary sitting at the feet of our Lord in devotion, in worship, sacrifice, and praise. She's in love with the Savior. She pours out the riches what she had, an alabaster bongs of precious ointment. This was all that she had. This was her wealth. She poured it at his feet. I tell you, friend, it's an amazing thing. These disciples, they criticized it. This should have been given to the poor. They criticized her. They murmured against her in verse 5. Jesus said, let her alone. It's true that sometimes God's people here and there will pour out their lives for the Savior. And people, even Christians, will criticize them as going overboard or they're, uh, they're going too far or they're becoming fanatical. Funny thing, you know, a person can pour out his life on his business. That's perfectly all right. He can give his life to sports and shout his head off. That's perfectly all right. But let someone fall in love with the Savior and acknowledge him as their Lord and Master and live for him and pour out of their hearts where Christ is first in everything. As dear Paul could say in Romans 1, Paul, a bond slave, a love slave of Jesus Christ. People criticize. My friend, everything that is done for the Savior in love for him is marked by him. Do you remember back here in chapter 12, a little woman came along and dropped in two pennies, two farthings, the smallest, the little mite, two little mites. Over here you have the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders and the, the rich people, they threw their money in with great gusto and they threw a lot of money in. They were very generous in that sense, but it didn't hurt them any. They didn't even miss it. Jesus, Jesus saw the little woman putting in her two pennies. Here is Jesus sitting at a feast and a woman comes in and pour, takes, her, takes her wealth, an alabaster box of precious ointment, 
poured it on his feet. Nothing that is poured on his feet is ever wasted. Oh, how the Lord loves us to come and not give because we have to, not give because we're forced to, not give because of a show, but give just because we love him. Whether it's much or whether it's little. I have letters from friends on this radio and they may send me a dollar and they apologize for this. Please don't apologize. You're doing it because you love him. You're doing it because you want people to hear about him. And if you give much, if you're giving it in love, same thing. The Lord takes cognizant of this. This woman sacrificed because she loved him. How we have failed in this. Oh, how we have failed. May God put into my heart, into your hearts, a consuming passion for the Savior. That nothing we gave, nothing we poured upon him in service or in gifts or our love, if it's from a heart of devotion to him, oh, how he loves it. He takes note of it. He takes note of it. Do you remember that little weed verse in Malachi? And they that loved the Lord spake oft one with another. And the Lord listened in. The Lord cocked his ear. The Lord listened in and said, write that down in a book. Write that down in a book. Boy, the God's a good bookkeeper. It's a good bookkeeper. Now let's see somebody else here by the name of Judas. In John's gospel, we have where Judas is the one who speaks out. Judas is filled with covetousness. He kept the bag. He was the treasurer. He was a, a good bookkeeper. That's why he got the job. Didn't the Lord know he was a thief? Yes, yes, but Judas didn't know he was a thief. But when he got the bag, he became covetous. The very thing he did, the Lord allowed that so Judas might get his eyes open to what kind of a man he was and turn to the Savior. You know, this is an amazing thing. Here's a man who's been living with a Savior for over three years. He has heard our Lord's gracious words. He has seen his compassion, his tenderness, his love for people. He has seen him still the storm and raise the dead and feed the hungry. You'd think a man who'd lived three years with a Savior wouldn't, wouldn't be covetous. Yes, friend, it's true. A person could go to, ch to church all their lifetime and still be covetous. They're, and I might say very bluntly that this materialistic philosophy, this coveting for material things, is a very common thing. And in fact, the Apostle Paul could say in Romans 7, I had not known sin until the law said, Thou shalt not covet. And that which I thought was going to give me life, it brought me death. I think this is one of the cardinal sins, is covetousness. The other one is pride. And they were filled with indignation. And the Lord Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. You, you've always got the poor with you, but you don't have me always. She hath done what she could. And the Lord Jesus put this in connection with the fact of his death. She 
is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burial. And I'll tell you, whatever the gospels declared, they know about this woman. But may I just say a word about the Lord's commendation when he said, she had done what she could. Have you? Have I? I wonder about this sometimes. Now, some people are, are just simply filled with service, but not much love for the Savior. Our service, take this woman. She had done what she could, but this was the outflow of a love, a devotion, a worship to the Savior. Our service ought to be the outflow of love for the Lord Jesus. I quote a while ago from John 21 where Jesus said to, to Peter after his resurrection, he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Three times. He didn't say, will you serve me? Will you preach for me? Will you go out and be a missionary? No, he just says, will you love me? If you love me, I'll give you a job. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, shepherd my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. See, our service ought to be the outflow of love. For the Savior, she had done what she could. I love the Lord's commendation. You know, if I may quote again from John's Gospel, chapter 12, I read that the odor of the ointment filled the house. When you stepped into, a, into the house, instead of smelling uh, the cooking of the meal, and some of the smells were pretty strong, I would judge. But no, no. The odor of the ointment filled the house. I'm living in a world, you're living in a world, Christian friend, was surrounded by lawlessness, rebellion, sin, corruption, you name it. As one of the leaders of San Francisco said, I understand, I'm just quoting on this, that, that it's not, there's hardly a street in San Francisco you can walk and be safe at night. That's true in most of our cities now in America surrounded by lawlessness. And yet, and yet, in the midst of a feast, with all the smell of the cooking and everything else, what was the thing that stood out? The order of the ointment. The sweet aroma of the ointment filled the house. We're down here in a world of shame and sin. Are we so living that our lives are showing forth something of the odor of the ointment of our Savior? Do people see something of the sweetness of Christ in you and in me? It's what gets to my heart. When the world sees us, what does it see? A man or a woman devoted to the Savior? And are our lives consistent with what we believe? So that in some way, the truth we preach, the truth we believe is a living reality. So I just leave it with you today. Do you love him? Are you devoted to him? And when you do your giving, do you give because you love him? Not because of what people might say, just because you love him. To be occupied till he comes, be on the alert, as we had in the last chapter, to watch because in an hour that you think not the Lord's coming. In the meantime, let's, 
Let's be about our Lord's business, and may we so walk with him that something of the fragrance and the sweetness of Christ, the tenderness, the compassion, the love of Christ will be revealed, manifested in you and in me. Now may the Lord bless you today. Read that little story over and over again and notice the personalities and read it together with John chapter 12 and get something of that uh, background and God grant that you and I today may so live as something of the sweetness of Christ will be evident in us and through us by the Spirit of God. The Lord bless you today for his name's sake. to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.